Welcome to Pick Action Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is late Friday night as I'm recording this uh, from my apartment after the Denver Nuggets lose to the New Orleans Pelicans in a pretty, uh, pretty irritating game. 113-105. Uh, there was a distinct lack of energy in the building for a long time, and the Nuggets just kind of let the Pelicans hang around for all game. Uh, they won the first quarter by two. They lost the second quarter by one. They lost the third quarter by one. And then they lost the fourth quarter by eight. And the Pelicans just kind of got away with it. They weren't great throughout this game. The Pelicans weren't – there There were a couple of career nights, don't get me wrong. Uh, Jackson Hayes goes 9 of 9 from the field, 4 of 4 from the line, uh, plus 9 in an 8-point win. Herbert Jones goes 25 points, 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line. Uh, Brandon Ingram, 12 assists compared to 1 turnover. Jonas Valanciunas, 8 points on 13 shots. The Pelicans were scoring really, really well, especially their starting lineup. And Denver's defense just didn't really have any answers. I thought that the starters were pretty bad in this one, or at least subpar. And it's too bad because they needed a good bounce back game after losing the back to back against Minnesota, against Utah. And you would hope that they would have better energy on a Friday night. First game back at home, that didn't really manifest. Nikola Jokic played. Aaron Gordon did not. DeMarcus Cousins was available, but he did not play either. I'm not surprised about any of that, honestly. I thought that Jokic was more resting on Wednesday, but Aaron Gordon's hamstring injury is something that they do not want to mess with, so I'm not surprised that he sat out. But I want to talk about the starters, obviously. Starters in the first segment, bench in the second segment, and then we will get to whether this is just a blip or if this is something more real in the third segment. But first, let's talk about the starters. We got to start with Jokic. 25 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. If I told you that and you're like, okay, that's fantastic. That's just what he does. The Nuggets probably won by four. Uh, because that's just around where they're at. Uh, but it wasn't enough. And the reason why it wasn't enough is because Nikola Jokic took 10 shots. And you've got to tell me, okay, so he made three of three from three. He went eight of eight from the line. And you're telling me that it's not enough, Ryan? Uh, yes, I am. Jokic had it going tonight. He was very, very good. Whenever he wasn't turning the ball over, He was fantastic offensively, making the right decisions, uh, making the right passes. He had the great scoring touch, didn't overshoot, but he certainly overpassed. And the Nuggets put themselves into too many situations, in the second half especially, where Jokic was passing up open shots, uh, whether it was at the three-point line or if it was kind of in the post. And he would kick it out for what he thought was a better shot. And the ball would consistently find Will Barton or it would find Jeff Green. Monte Morris was hitting his shot, so can't really complain about that. Uh, Davon Reed missed a couple shots late. Zeke Naji missed a shot late. 
Uh, Bryn Forbes had a had an awful night. We'll get to him. But yeah, it just felt like Jokic, 10 shots tonight in a game where he got whatever he wanted offensively when, when he chose that. And so what he actively chose tonight was to be a passer. He only attempted two shots in the first half. And that's just not enough. Like it's it's all well and good that you can go for 16 points of uh, seven rebounds and four assists in the second half. But it wasn't enough in the second half because shots dried up from other people. And Denver was only up by one at halftime while there was a lot of freestyling going on with the starters. There was a lot of bad process, average results with the starters. And I thought that Jokic was very passive. Thought that he didn't give the requisite amount of effort trying to get his own shots and sort of played into what the Pelicans wanted from him. There was a game against the Pelicans a month or so ago where Nikola Jokic had like 39, 11, and 11. And it took a massive effort. And it took Jokic having to put the team on his back. But the Nuggets won that game. And they won it in overtime. And it was a really tough performance. But Jokic did what he needed to do to get the team to win that night. That wasn't really present tonight. For all the the great shots that he did take, and for all of the uh, made shots that he had, he only took eight shots in the second half. That's just not good enough. That's not enough for Yoke when he's going to be the best player on the team, when Denver's starting Davon Reed, Jeff Green, when they're putting a lot of pressure on Monte Morris and Will Barton. Jokic can't take 10 shots. He just can't. It's asking too much of everybody else, especially against the Pelicans team where he can get his own shots and do what he needs to do. Just a really bad night for Denver. And I thought it could have been saved by Jokic, but they just didn't go that route. Monte Morris was the next guy I want to talk about. 19 points, 4 assists, 0 turnovers, 6 of 12 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3. He was great tonight. He was matched up with Devontae Graham tonight, who had 6 points and 5 assists. Monte won his matchup. He was very good. I want to kind of separate him from uh, the rest of this conversation because he was very good. He did his job. Nothing wrong with what Monte Morris did tonight. Will Barton's line, if you look at it and just take it for what it was, 17 points on 15 shots, one of four from three, four rebounds, two assists, three steals and a block. You you look three steals and a block. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It was a really bad game from Will. And he saved it with a couple of shots here or there, made a couple contested shots that he probably shouldn't have taken made a three late that was very important that kept Denver in the game. I want that to be noted. But I just think it's important for calling a spade a spade at this point. This was a really bad game from Will. There were a lot of possessions tonight where rather than letting the offense work, he tried to take over. 
and in doing so, kind of stop the good process stuff. There were segments of the game towards the end of the first half, uh, the, the middle of the third quarter, in the fourth quarter when Denver needed somebody to take over. Jokic was getting the ball, but he was getting double teamed every single time. And so you understand why he passed it out to Will. Will wasn't capitalizing on those moments like the Nuggets need him to. I think that the biggest problem I have, though, with Will is that the defensive end is really where he just gets abused. Herbert Jones had no reason to fear Will Barton tonight. Brandon Ingram, every time he got Will Barton on him tonight, either got to the foul line or made a tough bucket. Or made a tough bucket look easy. It was barbecue chicken season. And this is just another long list of examples where Denver has needed more and they've gotten less. And where Will has tried to do too much, he's trying in the wrong areas. Or it's areas where he just can't help Denver in other ways. Denver needed a 3 and D wing tonight. And they got it in Davon Reed. Davon Reed was very good. He was really strong tonight. Nine points on three of six from the from three. And though he didn't really do much else in the box score, I thought that Davon Reed was the best defender on Brandon Ingram all night. It was when everybody else was switched on to him that things got really difficult. I am a little bit worried about Will. I think the leash has gotten a little bit too long and that the Nuggets want too much from him defensively. Or they need they need more from him defensively. They want more offensively. And I don't think he has responded well in these situations because there are too many times where Denver's offensive process is really good and then it's it's fantastic and then Barton breaks from the process, gets his own, looks for his own, and then either misses a shot, turns the ball over, and puts the team in a really bad position in transition defense. There were a lot of plays like that. And there are some other guys that I think are going to get some blame for this. Barton's got to set a better example. He's a vet. He knows what he has to do. He absolutely should be trying to play the offense. It's been seven years. It has been a long time. And frankly, Monte Morris has just been a better player than him this season. And Denver's needed to rely on Monte more and more and more, despite the fact that Will was the guy that you'd want to step up in a lot of these situations. So I'm very curious to see whether he can bounce back whether he can lock in a little bit more defensively because I can't really point to a good defensive game from Will in a long, long time. And maybe you could point to Milwaukee, but I can like, I can visualize in my head multiple times where Chris Middleton just backcut him or Drew Holiday just drove right by him uh, or the like. Like there's, there's just so many – Examples at this point. Uh, 
So Denver's got to figure this out, and Barton's got to figure this out specifically, because we heard from Michael Malone today. He said he doesn't know when Jamal Murray's coming back, when Michael Porter's coming back. Aaron Gordon will get healthy at some point, but they're going to take that time with the hamstring. So we may be in a situation where Barton is still having a lot of responsibility, and he's going to have to play better on both ends of the floor. Because tonight, he got outplayed by Herbert Jones, a rookie on the other side. And frankly, it wasn't close. Like, like Herbert Jones demolished him. That's just not good enough. Jeff Green also deserves some criticism here. Jeff Green has not been good for the Nuggets the last five games. He's averaging 1.2 rebounds per game. He's averaging 0.2 steals. He's grabbed one steal in the past five games, and he hasn't blocked a shot. There has not been enough production from Jeff. There has not been enough defensive intensity. And Jackson Hayes tonight goes 9 of 9 from the field, and he was kicking Jeff Green up and down the court so much that Michael Malone decided he wanted to close with Zeke Naji instead. And you run into these situations where Zeke Naji, because he hasn't played in clutch time, he makes a mistake, looks pretty bad for it, but he shouldn't have had to be in that position at all. It's just that Jeff Green wasn't good, so they needed somebody better out there. So there's a lot of there's a lot of signs that Denver is kind of fraying. A little bit. They've lost three in a row. The starters are not playing well. And I'm still still pretty worried. I think that there's just too many signs that Denver is kind of going backwards after what was a good five-game winning streak. But I think they were a lot closer to the team that was struggling against Detroit than they were the team that put up a 36-point margin against uh, Milwaukee. Like Denver's just a lot closer to that team that's struggling with the dregs of the league still. So they got to figure it out. And the starters have to be the leaders. It's just that simple. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench unit. Uh, But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And with the Super Bowl coming up, the moment that we've been waiting for since September when football season started, the big game is finally here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either the Bengals or the Rams. Whichever one you choose to bet on, new customers, if they bet just $5, they'll get 280 in free bets. If that team wins, if you're not a new customer, that's okay. You can still experience Super Bowl 56 with the same game parlays feature where you combine multiple bets together, get a bigger payout as long as those legs hit, because the more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. DraftKings are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So if you're interested, make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code MHS when you do. That's MHS uh, to get those 56 to 1 odds on either the Rams or the Bengals. Bet those $5, get 280 in free bets. That's promo code MHS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Big Axe and Roll. back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you so much for rating and reviewing the podcast. Got a couple of new ratings in. That was really nice to see. Uh, If you haven't done it yet, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts. Make sure to plug in a five-star review if you you so choose, if you like the podcast. Uh, If not, plug in a four-star review or a three-star review and and, uh, tell tell me where I can improve. Tell me what you'd like to see more of. As long as it's not uh, more plus minus because I think if I, if I do that, then any listener from Argentina is going to blow a gasket. Uh, but either way, thank you so much for all the love and support. It is appreciated as always. Okay, let's talk about the bench. Let's go through the plus minuses here real quick. Uh, Jamichael Green in 13 minutes represents the non-Jokic minutes, of course. He was a minus two. Zignaji, he closed the game, played 29 minutes was a minus three. Bones Highland was a plus one. Austin Rivers, plus two. Bryn Forbes, plus one. Take that for what it is for a second. It's about even. Denver played the New Orleans bench, which staggered Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Jackson Hayes. They staggered those guys and played that group about even. And normally, if you're a Nuggets fan, you're jumping for joy at this point. You're thinking, hey, this is a great job by the bench where they figured some stuff out, even though uh, even though the, the individual games weren't that spectacular from the bench unit, they made it work. They figured it out. They aren't a massive minus. And that's all well and good while the starters are playing well, but the bench – when they're even and the starters are minus, the Nuggets are going to lose. And so it's always tough to kind of uh, highlight that because I've, I've been trying to work out what's wrong with the bench, try to figure out where they could be better. And to be honest, I thought that they were fine tonight. I thought they were subpar. I thought the shooting wasn't good enough, but here's Here's the thing that really stands out with the bench. Denver goes 19 of 41 from three. They shoot really well. The starter shot well, but the bench also shot and made enough threes to kind of stick with it. Jermichael Green goes one of three. Zeke Naji goes one of two. Bones Highland, two of six. Austin Rivers, one of two. Bryn Forbes, two of six. So they combined to hit seven threes. Just 21 points right there. The bench as a whole scored 32, 33, 33. Uh, wait, is that right? 16, 21, 30. No, they actually scored 30 points. 30 points is kind of the margin that I've I've looked to in the past, where if the bench scores fewer than 30 points during their minutes, then the Nuggets are much more likely to lose. If they score more than 30, 
then they're in a good position to win. Tonight, they're right on the margin, and it was the starters that just didn't really uh, deliver from a point production standpoint. Like Jeff Green gets five points, Dave Reed only gets nine, Nikola Jokic gets 25. And when you have that many kind of regulars, uh, regular amounts of plus minus, then it's it's just not going to look good if the other team gets 113 like the Pelicans did. So I don't look at this game from the bench, despite the fact that the inefficiencies were there, and think, oh yeah, this was the bench's fault. I know a lot of people that are clamoring for Faku Campazo or DeMarcus Cousins or somebody like that. I know that there are a lot of people out there that want to blame the bench, that want to say Bones Highland, two of eight from the field, eight points, three rebounds, one assist. That's not good enough. Bryn Forbes, two of 11, two of six from three, six points, one assist. That's not good enough. I mean, it's it maybe you could be right, but I've done this enough times to know that the margins were there with Denver's bench, that more often than not, if they're a massive negative, then Denver's going to get blown out in this game. They were even tonight from a plus-minus standpoint. They held the Pelicans bench to some pretty low point totals themselves. And when you see that, when you understand that, then you got to look at the starters. And Brandon Ingram scores 23, Herb Jones scores 25, Jonas Valanciunas scores 18, Jackson Hayes scores 22. So you're getting about 90 combined points from the starting unit. And some of that staggered. Don't get me wrong. Like some of that came against the bench. And that's why the plus minuses were even. But the opposing bench for the Pelicans scored a total of 19 points. I thought the Denver's defense with that group, as long as they didn't have to guard Brandon Ingram, was pretty good where they went up against Nikhil Alexander-Walker and turned him over five times. Trey Murphy uh, was kind of a non-factor tonight. Jose Alvarado was not great. Najee Marshall, Gary like Gary Clark was... The only thing that I point to with Gary Clark was that he at one point backed down Jermichael Green, and that was pretty weird. Uh, Jermichael Green gets caught up in the air by a Gary Clark post-up and then fouls him. Um... I think if you're looking for anything, it's not whether Faku played or not. It's the fact that they chose, that Michael Malone chose DeMarcus Cousins to sit and for Jermichael Green to play. If it were up to me, I would have done the same thing. My thinking with this is that Jackson Hayes, really athletic uh, roller, somebody who you need, somebody who's a little bit more mobile, uh, Jermichael Green he offered that. He provided that tonight. He got a couple steals. He hedged on defense a little bit, played pretty well, hit a three. He just wasn't like the hub of everything from an offensive standpoint. Denver probably needed somebody who could roll, and they didn't really have that. So maybe from that perspective, if you're looking for a little bit of a healthier offense, then DeMarcus Cousins might have helped over Jermichael Green. That's probably true. But I thought that Denver played better defense tonight with Jamichael Green out there. So you've got a lineup of Bones, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Zeke Naji, Jamichael Green. 
and Bones was running the one. Kind of struggled a little bit at times with the ball pressure uh, that Jose Alvarado and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, that Herb Jones was applying to him. There, there were a lot of guys out there for the Pelicans that were trying to make life difficult for Bones Highland. And frankly, they did. He was 0 of 2 from inside the arc, 2 of 6 from outside the arc. He did hit a couple, which I think is the most important thing. But he was kind of derailed from a playmaking standpoint tonight. The only assist that he had was the one that I commented on today, where he found Austin Rivers right at the end of the first quarter. That's not good. Like, that's that's not it. Like, I mean, that was a good assist right there, but that it was the only one. A lot of people are going to point to that and be like, man, Denver needed somebody to set the table a little bit better. Maybe so. I thought that Bryn Forbes missed a couple shots that Bones Highland usually sets him up for, and that was on Bryn Forbes. Thought that Jamichael Green missed a couple shots that could have been set up as well. And frankly, Bones, he, he wasn't at his best tonight from an, an offensive standpoint. I thought he could have been better. But I honestly don't point to him and think, man, he was the problem. Or Faku would have been better. Or Marcus Howard really needed to play or something like that. No, I just I just think that Denver in this situation, they needed somebody to pop. They needed somebody to really have a legit performance tonight. And Monte Morris was the guy that was closest. Uh, 19 points, 12 shots. He hit a very impressive three uh, right at the end of the shot clock in, in the closing minutes. And it was a grenade that Will Barton threw to him with about two seconds left on the shot clock. And he hits a fading three uh, that drops through the net. And it, it was one of those fantastic plays. You're looking at like, wow, this is just, just fantastic. But that was really the only one. And, and frankly, Monte was the only guy that you could really look to and say, yeah, they performed above expectation tonight. Everybody else, I kind of have this expectation where Zeke Naji played pretty well. Jamichael Green was fine. Bones Highland was fine. Austin Rivers, maybe he's the one guy that you look at like, yeah, he could have been better. He got taken to the woodshed by a couple guys too. Bryn Forbes could have shot the ball better. Probably a, a D-plus game from him in general. But look, like sometimes these games happen and everybody just kind of brings a C-minus game and you're hoping for somebody else to step up and nobody really does. And then you get caught by the Pelicans. I think people kind of forget the Pelicans have 20 wins. Like they're 20 and 32. They're a lot better and a lot more improved over the course of the last few weeks than I think a lot of people give them credit for. They've played Denver three times. Denver won close games against them two times, and now they lost a close game. So this seems like kind of par for the course with who the Pelicans are as a team. They're a good, bad team is how I would describe them, like a good 11th seed, 10th seed that can catch a team like Denver sleeping if Denver doesn't provide the requisite effort and execution. And frankly, tonight I look at the starters and I point the blame at them. I don't point to the bench. I think the bench did what they needed to do in the first half, actually had a good margin. They let some of it get back in the second half. But it wasn't enough to make things like crazy. 
Like Jokic came back in and Barton came back in and they could have done better. Jokic specifically, like he's a guy that that didn't take enough shots. Barton did. Barton probably took too many. So I'm I'm looking at the starters. I'm trying to figure out whether they are fully on board and engaged right now. Or if maybe maybe Barton's thinking about the trade deadline. Maybe maybe there's a lot of guys that are starting to think about the trade deadline now that it's less than a week away. There's a lot of that too. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about whether this is a blip or if this is just kind of the the norm for for who the Nuggets are going to be for the rest of the year. We'll be right back. segment ryan blackman here thank you so much for tuning in i really appreciate all the love and support and i think that this is going to be a very interesting time for the nuggets over the course of the next week over the course of the next couple Uh, this is a very very interesting time because with the trade deadline approaching with the nuggets kind of in the midst of a losing streak uh denver's got to figure some things out if they plan on competing this year like time is ticking down on the season and Denver's got 30 more games left to figure out whether they are going to be a good team or a great team. Because I think they're a good team. I think that when you get them at full strength, they're going to be a very good team. But there's enough holes, and I think there's enough uh, questions with the current group that you don't know if those are necessarily going to disappear the moment that other guys are going to come back. I think it's possible. I think it's absolutely possible. But There's also a possibility that those guys aren't going to come back. So I wanted to talk about whether this was a blip, whether the Nuggets are actually kind of losing steam, uh, or if this is just like like kind of the the new norm that Nuggets fans kind of have to deal with. Because it seems like we're reaching a threshold of the season where things are going to either change or they're going to not. So I asked Malone pregame. Uh, before tonight, about the trade deadline. I asked him about the continuity factor and how there were a lot of players that were kind of in and out of the rotation that Denver had just traded for Bryn Forbes. The trade deadline's coming up. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter might be available after. And I asked him if that was really tough to deal with at this stage and how it affected their mentality at the trade deadline. And he said, Among other things, one thing that Tim Connolly and I agree upon is if we do anything at the trade deadline, it's not just how it impacts us now. The team we are right now is not the team we're going to be next year. More from him, he says, I don't know when Jamal and Michael are coming back, whether it's this season or next season. But what I do know is that next season when they're healthy, well, we're a completely different team. So any moves that we make have to have that in mind. So what I have to imagine from that, and there's a lot of things that we can take from that, I think, is that one, 
Michael Malone is not giving away when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are returning. It's very possible that they could be close. It's very possible they could be far away. The intel, the messaging, the kind of vibe that I get, and there's there's other there's other ways I can get to describe it without telling you exactly what I'm hearing. But Murray lost a little bit of time to COVID. He lost a little bit of his recover his recovery time, his rehab time, probably about a week, like he spent in health and safety. And so he was back out on the court tonight. So was Michael Porter Jr. Both of them went through their warmups, and Jamal continues to look fantastic. I think he's going to be back in early March, is what I have to think. And early March puts him at game number 62 if he comes back on March 2nd, 63 on March 4th, 64 on March 6th, or 65 on March 7th. There are four games right there. Denver's got, I think, four games and six nights at home. And that would be the general time that I would expect a debut of some sort. Now, whether it happens or not remains to be seen. Denver's got a lot of games in a very little amount of time. But when you think about that, that's less than 20 games. That's less than 20 games between that point and the end of the season. It's a small ramp up time. He'll be in a pretty good spot towards the end of that, assuming there's no setbacks. But it's not enough to just assume that the Nuggets can really climb the standings. They're probably where they're going to be. Probably the five or the six seed, I have to imagine. And it's it's not the worst place to be in the world. Like Denver really struggled with uh with the injury bug this year, so nobody's gonna blame them on where they end up seeding wise. But if they are the five or the six seed and Murray's coming back, they're probably going to face either Dallas or Utah or Memphis. And when they put themselves into that situation, they're either going to be a first round exit uh, or they're going to then have to go on and face Golden State or Phoenix in the second round. There's going to be a lot that they have to deal with. They're going to have to go on the road every single time. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be really difficult. And it would not surprise me, based off of where they are right now, that they look at that, they look at Michael Porter and his tenuous health and recovery timetable, and they just decide to say, yeah, we are not going to try to get a short-term solution at the trade deadline. Because the current group, I'm not sure, like, other than Jokic, and, and Jokic is like, like, he's going to be around. He's going to be around next year. Assumably, he will sign the Supermax in the offseason. And maybe they get a better try at it over the course of the next five, six years that Jokic is around. If that's what ends up happening. But Denver has to put themselves into a position where they can do that. And trading... Let's say they go for Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets, who would be a pretty good addition, who would be a great floor spacer, probably a better defender than Will Barton, and it would cost a little bit, but he's a free agent at the end of the year, a little bit of an older guy, 
And unless Denver decides that they want to bring him back on a four-year deal, then they're probably not bringing him back at all, which means that they trade a first-round pick for Eric Gordon to play the next 25 games and then a playoff run. Is that the difference between Denver winning a title or not? No. It's going to come down to whether Murray is going to be at his best, whether Porter is going to be at his best, and whether Jokic can solve the problems in front of him. That's what it looks like to me. So with that all in mind, I think that Denver is going to be in a position over the course of this next week where they have to commit one direction or the other, or maybe they don't have to commit at all, frankly. Like that could be that could be it. That they just kind of ride it out, don't make any moves, and decide, hey, we are going to push this into the offseason or just wait for when those guys come back and just see where the chips fall at that point. I'm not sure that's the right call if their goal is to win a championship this year. I assume that that is still their goal, but the wording that Michael Malone is giving in that quote says to me that they are still thinking long-term. Now, Michael Malone said he's thinking minute to minute, and I'm sure that he was really hating the effort and the execution tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans on a February evening. So, he might think differently than what the front office thinks and how they should approach things, what the best course of action is. But they'll get into lockstep, they'll agree on something, and we will probably hear about that over the course of the next couple of days. And then by the Thursday trade deadline, we're going to see that manifest itself. Whether it's a major upgrade at a position like a, like a shooting guard position, if it's just somebody who kind of helps on the margins a little bit, that's also sticking around next year. Or if they try to solve the backup center position, and maybe they try to get somebody who's also going to be around next year that could really uh, solidify things. I don't know if they're going to find those guys. I don't know if they're going to have that optionality for them. What I do know is that this current version of them, the one that's giving C-minus efforts against the New Orleans Pelicans after losing two games, is not great. It's not a good team. It's a competent team. It's one where if the opposing team doesn't take things seriously, then Denver's going to win. But the Pelicans took the game seriously tonight. And they kicked Denver up and down the court in a lot of different cases. During clutch time, Denver got absolutely demolished on their defensive end because the the Pelicans just couldn't stop scoring. They were making great reads. They were driving the lane. They were getting to the foul line. They were making their shots. They were doing whatever the heck they wanted against Denver. And if the Nuggets can't stop the Pelicans without Zion Williamson, what are they going to do against any playoff opponent, frankly? So, I'm worried. I think that this is a group in Denver that is getting tired. I think that playing without Murray and Porter all season is really wearing on the team. I think that Jeff Green is managing his load. I think that Will Barton is struggling to find the balance between aggressiveness and passivity. I think that not enough guys are trying hard enough on the defensive end to make a difference. 
And there are too many possessions where you see somebody like Davon Reed flying around, trying to make the extra play, make the extra rotation. And other guys are just kind of like, all right, so who's got the next rotation rather than taking ownership of it? So this is a team that needs some energy. This is a team that needs some motivation. And it would be great if they could get Murray back. It would be great if they could get Porter back because I think that would really give them the jolt that they need. But it also might not. They also might just know that they're not a championship contender. And if that's the case, then making a whole bunch of moves at the trade deadline, probably not the best call. So we will see. We will see what ultimately happens. I am just as curious as everybody else, but I wanted to get that out there. I wanted for people to really appreciate what is going on uh, behind the scenes, but also understanding that, hey, things are fluid. I think Denver was hoping that there, there was an outside chance that Murray could be back by now, and that that window has obviously passed. I don't think that he's going to come back before the All-Star break, obviously, and then you start getting into March. You start getting into games 65 to 70, and you start really realizing, and the ramp-up time is just not enough. So, we'll see what they can do. But for now, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday. Uh, We will check in after the Nuggets play on Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets, who got demolished tonight by the Utah Jazz. Uh, That is going to be a very interesting situation, and I'm hoping that we get some new intel on whatever the hell James Harden is doing with the Nets. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.